Hey everybody, this is the Wild Ass Podcast, and I am your host, Wild Ass Craig. This is episode 17, and in this episode, I get to introduce all of you to Kimberly Walling. Kimberly is a lady that you may or may not have heard of before this show. The first time I met her was in Panama City, where we were together at a party last December to celebrate Chris Hopper's world record 100,000 mile ride. I believe it was at that same party that I learned she was entered in the 2022 running of the Hoka Hay Motorcycle Challenge. You can bet we'll be talking more about that. Kimberly is a seemingly soft-spoken individual, and I'm looking forward to learning more about her and hearing her story in this show. That being said, let's get right to it. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I understand that this is your first time being on a podcast. That is correct. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Are you shaking? Are you sitting in your desk just shaking a little bit, all scared and stuff? You bet. <laughs> <laughs> not to worry. I'll edit out all of our dumb stuff. I started the podcast not wanting to edit because it's just a more natural conversation that way. But as it turns out, I just got to snip the little blank and dead spots. and it, it's. I, don't, I never change the order of words, but I'll make sure you sound like you know what you're doing. How's that? That sounds great. You might have a lot of editing. <laughs> ah, that's okay. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. We're going to go right into your story. As a little girl, where did you grow up? Let's start there. I grew up in Houston. I'm a Houstonian, born and raised. And I actually grew up on a motorcycle track. So my family owned and ran the Rio Bravo that is actually a still operating motorcycle track here in Houston. That's news to me. I don't think that is in your bio that you sent me, actually. So what is what kind of a motorcycle track was it? Street, dirt, both? Dirt. Yeah, just dirt, motocross, and there was actually a car, like a clay oval car track, too. Yeah, so I actually lived on the racetrack. My brother was super into motocross, so we we traveled a lot for him to ride all the races all over the country so that he could keep his points up and his status up. So. He was a pretty good motocrosser. That is something very cool. So your very first bike, I'm assuming, was a dirt bike then? It was. It was a little 50cc. It was probably four years old. It had training wheels on it. I could go straight all day, but the turning was a little difficult. Yeah, pretty much little... the same thing today. <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably turned just fine now. <laughs> well, those few turns are hard sometimes. Do you remember stories of the first bike? Do you have anything you remember, like any big events or big happenings? Did you race it? I did, but again, it was just like the 50cc, so like the little peewee class. And it basically, I just like to play with my friends out there. And then sometimes my dad would be like, hey, we need more bikes on the starting line. Go get your bike, you know. So it was kind of like that, but I, I was never really into that I just basically used my bikes that I had to get around so we'd always be going to all of these motorcycle tracks and it was just a way for me to go play and move all over the track and go into the woods and you know all the other siblings that I hung out with we would just ride all over and one of my favorite places was Loretta Lynn's which saw that she passed away today but that was one of the best motorcycle facilities for roaming around. It was a lot of property to have fun on. That is a track that I've never been to. And I pretty much same thing was around motocross forever. Never went to Loretta Lynn. So I, I 
wish I'd have been there. I, you know, it's not like I don't have the chance anymore. And yes, it sucks. I saw that in the news today that she had passed away too. So we'll see how the dirt biking community responds to that because there's a huge track. And I don't know if yep. all of my listeners know this, but that is where the largest amateur national is, is at yep. Loretta Lynn's. It's a great facility. Like she lives there and then she has this like old, old miners town looking setup, And it's a great place. It's beautiful out there. Yeah, I've seen plenty of pictures, and uh, I've had tons of interest and wanted to go. Just never made it happen, I guess. So that's cool. That's cool that you did. How did you get the transition to riding on the road then? That was in 2017. I I only worked a mile from home. So I was actually wanting to buy like a little moped just so I could ride it around town real quick, you know. Maybe it wouldn't take me so long in traffic or something. And so I was talking to my brother and I was like, hey, I can come and get a moped to ride to work. And he was like, ah, oh, you're not going to like that. If, you know, no one's going to hear you. You're going to get ran over down there in Houston. And, you know, and I was like, well, and what I said is like, well, I don't know how to take care of a bike. If I get a bigger bike, like I don't, you know, I knew from the motocross days where you had to oil on your own chain and change your tie. You did everything yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And he goes, well, what do you do with your car? And I'm like, I take it to the dealership. And he goes, take your bike to the dealership. And I was like, that's a thing? Like, there's a service department <laughs> for bikes? I had no idea. And then, you know, I only had that, like, little 50. I think I might have had an 80 at one time. And then I went on to, like, moped scooters. So all the bikes I had when I was a kid, when my brother was racing, were just automatic. I never had gears. I thought every bike was different. All the gears were different. So I was very intimidated by the gears. And so I was like, you know what I'll do? I'll go to Harley and I'll take a class at the dealership to get my motorcycle license. And if I like it, then maybe I'll think about it. I wasn't even done with the class before I ordered my own bike. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, was hooked from, I was hooked from the MSF class. That's awesome. In 2017, they weren't Harley classes, were they? That was just an MSF class. Yeah, it was an MSF class put on by Harley. So it's just you ride, I think there were 500cc Harley Davidsons that have crash bars all over them, but it's sponsored by the state. So you don't actually have to go to the driving school and do their courses. It's sponsored by it. No, that's cool. So they're covered in crash bars. How many times did you get to use those? I did not drop it once. Very nice. Actually, yeah, I think the first time I ever dropped a bike was when I test rode a road glide, and <laughs> that wasn't the one to that wasn't the one to drop. <laughs> Could you pick a bigger one? <laughs> uh, pick a bigger one and one that I didn't own. <laughs> well, that's the right kind. Is the one you don't own? It's just the size of the bike that you got to pick up. So, was someone with you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't make it three inches before I dropped it. And so I was right there at the dealership. Everyone, yeah, there, there was an audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might as well get that out of the way. Get it done with. Get you got people to help. Get yep. that out of the way. And I'm sure they thought, oh, my gosh, this girl does not need to be biting a road glide. And then they were trying to sell me the one that I dropped. You know, like, well, you might as well buy it. You dropped it. I'm like, but that's not the one I want. And yeah, it was know. a disaster, but it all worked out. But. I'm sure they thought, like, she's never going to make it on this road glide, and here I am. Yeah, right. A, when... a year later, proving them differently. Yeah, is that So is that a year ago? Uh, or right before yeah, you got yours? Uh, yeah, it was, like, in May of last year, so just a little over a year, yeah. Okay. 
So you had ordered a bike when you were taking the class or decided on your bike. Which one did you get? I got the 2017 883 Sportster. Perfect bike. I, I think they're a great starter bike. Oh, yeah. I, I think it was great. And I, I know everyone says, you know, it's a waste of money type of thing, but it was a good starting point for me. And I had it a year, which is probably pretty typical, but I loved it. It was a great starter bike that got me more comfortable because I hadn't had any big bikes, something that weighed that much, something that had gears, ridden on the road. You know, there was a lot that I had to learn. Oh, and it's nice to not be intimidated by a bike that's way too big. Right. And I, and I went into that. I was never intimidated by the speed that the bike would go or even kind of the weight. It was just, do I know how to ride it and how does it work on freeways? You know, I, I, I had bicycled quite a bit in my life. So, you know, I knew that pain is slippery and don't put your tires in cracks, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, all the basics. Right. You went, uh, it says here then that you went on a road trip that same year. Tell us about that. Yeah, just a couple months after I bought it, you know, I started hanging around with these women. You know, I didn't know anyone. So my brother talked me into buying this motorcycle at the time. He had just bought one. He had just bought a new 2017 Harley. And my dad had a Goldwing. And my dad had been riding for years all over the place. And so he was like, you know, talk me out of the scooter because I could ride with him and my dad. Well, six months after I bought my bike, my dad gave up riding. And my brother still has that same 2017, and it has like 5,000 miles on it. So so they both quit. Here I am. <laughs> I mean, he still has his, but he doesn't ride it very much. And so here I was with this Harley, and, you know, it was like, once I got the Harley, it was almost too big to ride to work. It was just more of a pain in the butt to get dressed in that, just to go a mile down the road, you know. I felt like a scooter, you know, I could just hop on it and go. You get on the Harley and, you know, you got to dress more appropriately, you know, things like that. So it just became where I wasn't driving it to work. I didn't know anyone else who rode. Sure. So I started just looking on Facebook for women motorcycles. And there was two groups here in Houston that I got involved with, Houston area women riders and women in the wind. So I just started riding with them. And this one girl was like, hey, my friend's coming down. We're going to go to Florida. You want to go? And I was like, heck yeah. So we went on it. It it was a nine-day trip to Florida and back. But I loved every minute of it. And the bug was set after that. When I think of Houston to Florida, I think it's all freeway. Is that the case? No, we did you... all, all back roads. Yeah, we didn't there and back. Yeah. And we went a different route each way. But we were on, I mean, it's basically I-10 all the way if you want to go the fastest route. But we did all kind of side roads all the way there and back. And we, I mean, some days were 300 miles, you know, but I thought that was a big deal, you know. But that is so a big deal. So we did deal. a lot of, we did a lot of sightseeing and, you know, we stopped in plenty of time to, you know, have a good dinner wherever we were. And so it, it you know, rained on us. We got it all, but it was a great trip that we still talk about today. That's awesome. Yeah. And 300 miles. I know you ride more than that now, but 300 miles to the average rider is a long day. So to do it on an 883 Sportster, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And only riding for like two or three months. Right. I was going to ask you about um, that thing on the highway. Was it 
you didn't know any better at the time, but did it seem like it had enough power to get up and get going down the highway? Because the other thing oh, I think sure. of when I think of Houston is a lot of traffic and moving quickly. Yeah. No, the 883 had plenty of power. I mean, it would when it would get to like 80, it would start to shake in the wind and stuff. I never put a, a windshield on it or anything. I did, but I didn't like it. I immediately took it off. But it would start shaking at about 80. But, you know, it it it. And a lot, when I had that, I was still in, like, just writing with, like, the hog chapters and stuff. So, you know, there's not, you know, pretty much sticking to the speed limits and stuff. So, okay. yeah, it, it was plenty, plenty of juice. Well, good. You, you did that trip, the Florida run, and then it says in May, uh, well, December, you joined Republic's hog chapter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, tell Again, us about Again, I was rides just looking them. for people to ride with, so I kept joining all these groups just looking for people to ride with and I ended up there's you know there's five or six dealerships right here in Houston so I kind of looked at all the different websites and found that Republic had a pretty active hog chapter and they rode every weekend so I joined them they also had a ladies of Harley group so I joined them and just started doing those weekly rides to you know lunches and stuff like that that every hog chapter does and then they do a, a big trip twice a year. And the first one was going to Arkansas and loved it. Arkansas is beautiful. I think it's one of the best states for motorcycle riding. The roads are just so well kept and it's beautiful scenery. So I, I was just hooked. Like you, anytime anyone's like, you want to get back on the bike and go somewhere? I'm like, yes, let's go. So and Ar- so that's when I first got, like, real riding, though, going in, you know, Florida, it was still pretty much a straight line and things like that. Uh, right after I got the bike, I did go to the Twisted Sisters here in Texas, which is kind of a pretty famous or supposedly, like, our best riding here in Texas from yeah. motorcycle. So I did go do that, like, as soon as I got the bike, and it was, like, raining, and that was memorable as well because there's paddle grades. You know, I didn't think anything about it. Hadn't, you know, there's a first time for everything mm-hmm. when you get the new bike, and you go across a wet cattle grade in the rain, and you have a pucker moment. <laughs> yes. So you you learn not to turn on a cattle grade in the when it's wet, and I, you know, and in the hook of hay, you know how many of those we went over. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. I've actually. I've been fortunate enough to do, I've ridden both in Arkansas and I have done the Three Twisted Sisters. Awesome. So you know how it is. Yeah, Yeah. they're great. And yes, cattle guards in the, uh, the cattle grates in the wet conditions, not the most desirable for riding. Nope. Nope. So for those of you that don't know what the cattle guards are, the cattle grates, because I don't think everybody does. I didn't learn about what they were until I was well beyond adulthood. In open range states where cattle can roam freely, they put these grates across the road because cattle, horses, critters won't cross those, right? So, you know, the fence only has to come up to the road. The cattle will follow the fence, but they won't cross that grate to get outside the fence. It's kind of pretty genius, really, but it's not great for motorcycling. On there, it seems like some of them were in corners, too. Yes, that's the one I remember is in a corner and it was wet and that rear end just kind of flipped out and you're like, but it it was fine. I got through it. But yeah, a lot of them though too. You just don't know. 
how rough they're going to be. Some of them, you don't even know you really went over it. And some of them will just launch you. Like you just don't know how the concrete hits the spacing of the, because basically the cattle guard is like a pipe and every few inches, there's another pipe so that when the cows go over it, their hooves would fall in and they don't want to do that. Some of them are rough. They'll just launch you. (laughs) Yeah. They don't get them very level with the pavement at all. Right. Right. That was your 883 Sportster. What did you go to from there? So from there, I had that a year. And then I went to the 2019 Sport Glide, which is a soft tail. Okay. And that was, I love that bike. I had that bike three years and put 52,000 miles on it and still love it. And I highly recommend that bike. It was a, well, actually, I think they stopped making it last year, but it was a great bike to ride. And it came with bags. So that's one of the reasons that I got it is because it came with bags, saddlebags. Right. That had um, soft bags though, right? Or were they hard no, bags? No, it had hard bags. It did. Mm-hmm. Okay, hard I'm trying bags. to remember which yeah. bike that was because I'm not Yeah, the Heritage with comes with soft bags, but I was never a big fan of the wheels with the spokes. I wasn't a big fan of spokes. You know, being from the knowing motorcycles and having to, you know, turn each spoke and make sure they're tight. I was like, I don't want any motorcycle with spokes. So the the sport glide didn't have spokes. It had these cool little tire wheels. So I went with that. Sure. That's how I choose my bike. <laughs> <laughs> All by looks and that's okay. All by looks and I didn't want spokes. Yeah. I've you know, I don't know since you say that, I don't know anybody with a road bike that adjusts their spokes. But everybody with a dirt bike always adjusts their spokes. Yeah. Maybe, I, that's just what I had in my head that you were supposed to do that. And I, you know, what is there, like a hundred and something on there? I'm not doing that. <laughs> it looks that way sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> that's where you, that's where, like your brother said, you just take it to the dealership, let them do it. That's right. Yep. I'm not a fan that's, of cleaning motorcycles. Spokes are out. Right. Exactly. The only thing I basically do to my, like, I'm not a professional. I'll leave it to the professionals to do everything. I feel like if I took something apart, I'd end up with extra parts and this thing is here to keep me alive. So I don't want extra parts. The only thing I, and I'm really good at is I always check my tire pressure. So that I do do, but that's about it. I leave the rest up to the professionals. It's safer that way. That's right. (laughs) At least we hope so. Right. Yeah. At least we can get away with saying that. We think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have I have a, a good professional that I that I really truly trust, and he does a really good job. So. so is it at a dealership? Yeah, he's at Republic. Okay. Republic is where you ride out of. I think that's where Hopper rides out of too. Yes, it is. Is that, is that yep. how the two of you met? Mm, yes and no. So when I joined the Hog Chapter. I met my friends, Bobby and Cindy. They joined like a few months after I did. So I ended up staying with them when we did that trip to Arkansas. I ended up sharing a hotel room with them. So I got to be really close with them. And I don't know, months, months later, I don't maybe a year later, they used to ride with Chris and Kat. Kat Catherine is Chris's wife way back when. And, I, you know, they started riding again, you know, and so... She started talking about this friend. Hey, I have this friend that's doing this Hoka Hay thing. This was in 2018. I didn't know anything about it. Didn't follow anything about it. Didn't. 
she was talking about it and I was basically whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And so when he had gotten back from that, that's kind of when we just all started writing together. And it was just like, Chris and Kat just started writing with Bobby and Cindy. And then I was, you know, happened to be there too from like after a, a chapter meeting and they all used to be part of a different chapter and they kind of just all came to Republic. And then, you know, we all kind of started going to the lunches and then we'd ride farther after. And then it kind of got to where, well, we just ride farther and farther and farther and farther. So yes, we ended up both joining the same hog chapter or the same dealership but that's not how we met we kind of met through mutual friends that kind of brought them into republic when they had left the dealership that they were at previously sure so when you you said you started riding longer and longer so i am i'm not a member of any hog chapter truly i don't even know what they are what they do i remember trying to join one trying to join the harley owners group and i bought a used bike and they needed the VIN number, and I had that, and it was like some big pain in the ass. And I'm like, yeah, screw it. I don't need to be a member. So I just, I, yeah, I never joined after join, that. Yeah, you have to join Hog Corporate. So like the corporate one, you pay your monthly or annual, uh, not monthly, annual fee too. And then once you're a member of the Hog Chapter Corporate, then you can join like a local hog chapter like any dealership that has a hog chapter and there's like 20 bucks a year or something most of them are are like that and then basically you know they have a lot of little you'll go to lunches breakfast dinners but typically no more than 200 miles in a day and there's probably going to be a few stops in between you know that's what I was used that's the only thing I knew I didn't know any differently but then when Chris came into my life (laughs) then I learned like oh we're gonna go that 100 miles or we're even gonna go that 200 miles and we're not stopping so (laughs) he polluted your riding style that's right that's right so you started riding longer distances what kind of mileage were you doing I mean you did a 300 mile day so were you now doing that every weekend tell us how you got Uh, into the longer distance stuff yeah, on an average, we were going probably, you know, 200 miles. When, when we'd go ride for the weekend, for a day, we'd go about 200 miles. And then as I started, when we did the road trips, though, you know, you got to get out of Texas. You got to lay down some miles. So we would do 600, between 600 and 700 miles on road trips. But those were like the traveling days just to kind of get where we needed to go. And then there'd be shorter days while we're wherever we wanted to be for, you know, sightseeing and things like that. So I was getting in to some 600-mile days by this point. Even on the sports tour, I was getting into, you know, because we went to Arkansas and stuff. Well, that was maybe 400 to 500 miles a day or something like that. So I was starting to get those miles in. A 1,000-mile day, that didn't come for a few years later. I think I did my first saddle store and. 2020 so like three years into it see now that it's funny that the way you word that it's like oh yeah i I waited until i was late you know (laughs) three years into riding before i did it (laughs) there are a ton of people that have ridden for years have never done it and say oh hell no i would never do that that's ridiculous right it's funny to hear the different perspective all because of who you hang out with well and it kind of started because like i said i kind of drifted away from riding with the hog chapter as much just because I enjoyed putting down the longer miles and, 
you know, our, there's five of us, Bobby, Cindy, Chris, Kat, and myself, we would go, you know, and spend all day riding around, you know, so I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. So I was doing that and then started doing a little scavenger hunt. So one of the first ones I joined was the Motorcycle Grand Tour of Texas. And it's a scavenger hunt where they give you a list of 50 things to go see. And, you know, I did a, some with Chris. And then I'd just go, you know, if my friends were busy, then I would just go out by myself. And so that's when I started riding miles by myself. And, you know, I'd be like, well, I have a weekend and I don't, you know, my friends are busy. They have their own lives. So I'd go ride 400 miles by myself. And then that, and then it would be 600 miles. And then the next thing you knew, I was like, I think I'm going to try to settle. It was just like Halloween weekend and I didn't have anything to do. And I was like, I think I'm going to go try the saddle tour thing. And so just went off one morning at like four o'clock in the morning by myself and did it surprisingly. You know, it's one of those things that you don't know you can do and then you do it. And then you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. This grand tour, this scavenger hunt, mm-hmm. was it over a weekend? Was it over a summer? Was no, it, a month? It, it was maybe six months or something. I don't remember the deadline, but. It's it's a a long period of time, months. You know, someone like Chris tries to go do it all in one day. You know, one or two days he tries to get it done. I take six months. <laughs> sure. No, and I just I've I've never heard of that. You know, I didn't know that yeah. that was a thing, and and I don't know if that's a thing in other states. I'd love to know if that's a thing here in Minnesota because that'd be really cool. The only one I know of that's not really like that, but that would be the Tour of Honor. Where yeah. So it is the same points. concept. Okay. Mm-hmm. Same concept, but this gentleman, he does it and he goes out and he looks for different things every year. He has sponsors. Things. So, you know, he has a few dealerships that you always hit and a few restaurants that you always hit and then random other sightseeing things. Like, just like Tour of Honor where it gives you something to do. It just gives you a reason to go ride. I'm not good at getting on the bike and just going somewhere and like making turns with like, I don't know, let's just, I'm not good at that. I have to have like, I want to go see this. I'm going to go see that and, you know, have to have that, that planned route. No, that's cool. And that planned route, like I found in the tour of honor, you, you find a lot of stuff and a lot of roads that you wouldn't normally take. I have to assume Absolutely. that's the same. And you just see that. And now, you know, I fall in love with these roadside attractions now. Like if someone's like, you want to like this weekend, this was, we did a saddle sword and he's like, Hey, there's a big, largest rattlesnake. He goes, do you want to go see it? And I was like, you betcha. Like who doesn't want a picture with the largest of anything? Yeah, <laughs> I saw, like, I saw that on your Facebook page, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I, I want a picture with every largest fork, spoon, rocking chair, <laughs> snake, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You said that was kind of the start of your solo rides. Yeah, doing the little scavenger hunts, that's when I started, like, going out and riding by myself and not only, like, because at first I was only going out when the hog chapter went out or when my friends went out. But then, like, when I got the scavenger hunt, I was like, you know what, I can, that's when I started trying to play with Google Maps and kind of figuring out how to put more waypoints in there and, you know, a phone mount on my bike so I knew where I was going and headsets and stuff so yeah that's when I kind of learned how to go out on my own and just venture out and see what I could do and get into. How was that on your own? We'll get to the Hokahane in a little bit but 
to travel by yourself, I'm, I don't mind being alone. I'm all good with it. It's fine. Is it different as a woman? I was asked this question actually at a wedding this past weekend. Our third child got married and, um, I was asked that question. Like, well, is it, is it, thank you. They said, well, were you, were you nervous of it? Whatever. And I'm like, no, I really wasn't. It's fine. And they said, well, what about the women that did it? I said, you know what? I have one coming on my podcast. I'm going to ask her that question. <laughs> As a woman, is it different? Like, are, do you get nervous of being out there by yourself for um, any reason? Well, Hokahei is totally different than me doing the scavenger hunt. Because Kitsilagal would just be, or even when I did like Ride Around Texas, I was all by myself when I did the Ride Around Texas, but I was staying in hotels. So yes, I'm out there all by myself all day. Typically, I'm moving. You know, if it comes to gas stations, you always have people that come up and talk to you, but I've never had anyone, no more than if I got out of my car and got gas and someone was going to bother me to want money or something. I've never had, being on my bike, I've never had any different experience. Okay. Um, So, and I was staying in hotel rooms and, you know, no problems there or anything. Hokahei, it would be a little different because... You're actually staying out on, you know, out in where, you know, you're sleeping outside. Anyone can walk up to you. But like I said to someone else that asked me that, I was like, when I'm sleeping on the ground next to my motorcycle, no one knows I'm a woman. They can't tell, you know, so they're not, you know, unless they watched me maybe get off and, you know, take off my gear and stuff like that. If I'm just sleeping on the ground next to my motorcycle, they don't know I'm a woman there. That's a and, Safe you know, there's probably just, yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, and they probably think, you know, it's a man packing heat, too, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just what they're going to assume, so don't mess with it. You and know? then they see the Texas plate, and they don't mess with you at all. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you now ride a 20, it's a 21 road glide, correct? So you're riding the, the big bike you originally dropped. Did you have a bike in yep. between? Between the uh, no, the I, this is my third bike. So I had the Sportster, the Sport Glide, and now the Road Glide. Okay, so this is your third bike. We kind of started this is talking my third about, bike. Talking about this the is my third hay. bike in my fifth year riding. Yeah, which is crazy to me. And I was going to point that out when we get to this point. We're at 2022, but you did some pretty big rides before the Hokahe as well. I got to watch, you know, as I got to know Chris and the Mile Monsters and that whole group. I kept seeing you pop in, and, and we met, of course, in Texas, and then I'm watching some more, and you did a fair amount of riding before the Hokahe. so tell us about some of those rides that you did. Yeah, one of my favorites is the Ride Around Texas, which I've mentioned, and that was one of the, that was one of my goals that I wanted to do was get that, you know, when us using Spotwalla, you get a tracker, and I, living in Texas, I wanted my tracker of the state of Texas. Like, I just thought that was really cool. And so that was one of my early on goals was to get that done and actually did really well at it. (laughs) I, you know, went out there. It was part of the biggest Texas party, which is a lot of Iron Butt Association, different rides happen all in the same week. And I show up and there's all the, I'm the only girl that signed up to do it. And there's all these guys with their auxiliary tanks, their fuel, extra fuel tanks and stuff. And I'm like, what have I gotten? Oh, and, you know, I'm one of the few Harleys. The rest oh. of, you know, I think there was like 15 or 17 of us. And there's maybe 
three Harleys. Okay. <laughs> you know, they're they're all they're all on big adventure bikes. You know. And you so don't like, have what a, have uh, I got? And you don't have and an, I don't have an extra. No, no. So I was just like, what have I gotten myself into? And it's not a race, but you know, when you all start at the same time, you know what happens naturally. <laughs> you grew up but, at a racetrack. So, it's a race. Yeah. And what's funny, my brother was, you know, he was always good at racing motorcycles. Now he races cars. He's really good at it. So I've just learned not to, I'm not a competitive person because he just always was and he would always beat me. I never wanted anything. So it was just like, I don't even try to be competitive, I guess. It, I don't know how it happened, but I just love participating. And I'm, I would say also, as I'm a jack of all trades, master of none, I'm good enough to compete and perform and stay within it, but, you know, typically not mastering anything. But as, as I've been riding here in the long distance, I've, you know, I've gotten better and better. So it, it's one of those things where you go in just wanting to participate. I only wanted to get my tracker. I didn't care about anything else. I just wanted that tracker. And then I ended up being the first one to finish that did it clockwise. And I came in third overall out of like 17 of us. So it was, but once you get into it and you're like, oh, wait a minute, am I, am I leading this right now? And then you're like, well, I got to keep going. Then I got to keep going. So, so you do have but a little was, bit of a competitive edge to you. I think it's like, I don't show up like, yeah, I'm going to knock this out of the park. It's like, once I get into it, it's like, oh, well, this isn't so bad. Let's keep going. You know, I, I have that mentality where I'm just like, keep going, keep going, keep going, get to the finish line, you know, but if, if someone passed me, I wouldn't be like, oh, knock them out of the way or throw a rock at them or something, <laughs> you know, it's not like that, but it's like, just, you know, oh, this isn't so bad, let's keep going at it, but back to the beginning of it, when I started, they all had their auxiliary things, so I was like, what is happening, and so we start first day, we all go to, I end up having to get gas first, obviously, because they have their team. So we're all kind of riding together. Everyone who went the, the clockwise, we're all riding together. I'm like, well, here it is. I have to stop and get gas. I'm, I'm never going to see them again. So I stop, I get gas. You know, at this point, I've learned to be quick. You know, you don't take off your helmet. Don't take off your jacket. You know, get gas and go. So I get gas and go. Maybe 30 minutes down the road, I see half of the other group stop at the gas station. And I'm like, oh, what are they doing? And it, they they had a pee. So it's sure. like they had these auxiliary tanks, but they still couldn't outride them. So it, it was so funny because they, and then I got to the hotel. I got to, and it just kind of worked out where we, a few of us ended up at the same hotel. And I got to the hotel and then I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, there's like four or five other bikes here. But here I am, I'm ready to go and I don't see anyone in sight. So then it was like, I wasn't probably taking a lot of them rode in groups and I rode by myself. So that probably saved me a lot of time too, sure. but I was just faster at the gas stops and, you know, probably didn't sleep as much or, you know, I wasn't sitting, sitting at the hotel and drinking coffee. You know, I got up and got ready and left, you know, you said clockwise. So explain the event. Do you have to go each direction or what's the deal? Well, you too. You, well, now they have a rewind, but back then you choose. So you can choose to go clockwise or you can go counterclockwise around Texas. And you basically, I think it's like, I don't remember exactly, but let's say 18 points. So you have to hit these 18 different cities. And that just 
make sure that you stay along the border of Texas, inside the border of Texas. So you have to get a receipt from a gas station in South Padre Island, in Anthony, in, you know, all these different little towns you have to hit in order for the, it to be a certified iron butt ride. Okay. But you could choose to go either way, clockwise or counterclockwise. You could, so you could go as the order they're listed on the website, or you could start from the bottom and go up either way. This year, they started a rewind. So you do it clockwise, and then you turn around and do it counterclockwise. How long does that take? Because Texas is massive. So one way is around 3,100 miles. Two would be 6,200 miles. It took me 60 hours and 37 minutes to do it one way. So four. Three days. Yeah. Yeah. In your fourth day. Is that right? No. In your third day. In the third day. Yeah. Late in the third day. Yeah. That's amazing. That's more than three. That's more than a thousand miles a day, right? Yeah. 3,200 miles. I don't know what my miles were. Yeah. It would have to be just right around there. Yeah. It would have to be. I don't remember. I don't remember it being. A thousand miles a day, but I know it is 3,100 miles just about, so it, it would have to be, yeah. That's crazy. That's just my, I'm, I'm tired, so my mathing isn't very fast. I know, then I'm like, <laughs> okay, 24, 48. <laughs> yeah, let's see. So the ride around Texas, that's still a thing, obviously, because you just said they do it, you can do it both ways. D- do you do a lot of those iron butt rides? Not a lot. So that one I, I did the ride around Texas. Then I started doing the rallies. So, which aren't iron, but those are just put on by different people. So one of the first ones I did was hops rally in November, which is only in the state of Texas. So I did that. And then by doing his, then I joined the, the heart of Texas rally, which is also just in the state of Texas. And so those I really enjoyed because, you know, you're just out there on your bike by yourself. And again, you're just, looking at random things like you just see stuff that you wouldn't know was out there and sometimes I'd see the things and I'm like why did anyone put this out here like who's who's going out here to see these historical markers or you know plaques or statues or things out in the middle of a swamp right explain hops rally is it a scavenger hunt it's a scavenger hunt Mm -hmm. okay yeah so it's like the motorcycle grand tour is self-paced so you had whatever the time, six, eight months, self-paced, you go out and do it in a, in, until you get, and then, you know, they have 50 stops. If you get 50 stops, all 50, you get a special patch. If you got at least 25, I think you were considered a finisher. So something like Hops Rally is a timed rally. So you have, he'll send out all these points of interest and they'll have a, a value to them. The rally master can make it whatever they want, but most of the time your goal is to have the most points. But there could be bonuses. So you go to a restaurant, a certain restaurant, and that could be a multiplier to something else. Or you have a rest bonus, and that's a multiplier, or just it's worth a certain amount of points. Or, you know, photo opportunities, or, you know, if a group gets together and takes a large photo, they know it's going to take you out of your route or something like that, they'll make a huge point bonus to it to where it's like intriguing. Do you go here and get these points, you know, or can you route differently and gain more points? So the the difference between the one is self-paced and timed and you have to 
send in your pictures to the rally master and then they'll tell you, you know, it could be your, your motor entire motorcycle has to be in the picture in front of this building. Well, okay. if you didn't read the, all the description there and you just took a picture with your rally flag on the side of the building, then they're going to come back and be denied and you don't get those points because okay. you didn't follow the little description. So there's little, it's a puzzle, but you also get to ride your bike while you're solving a puzzle. And it's a, a puzzle to get the most points. You're also routing. So that's the whole level of it. And then you're just out there riding your motorcycle. And sometimes the weather is not good, which is how I got the name Twister was doing the Heart of Texas rally. And I ended up in a tornado. <laughs> I, You know what? I totally spaced asking you about that name because I've seen the video. You've sent that to me. Explain that. Yes. Why the name Twister? <laughs> so I was I was doing the Heart of Texas rally, and if you talk to anyone who did it that year, it was in April of 21. It was just the weather everywhere was just horrible, like just monsoon, just rain, 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 rain. And I was down in Hondu, and I got an alert on my phone, and I was going to we had no bonuses. So it was like you had to eat at certain restaurants. And if you did within certain times, you got, uh, I don't know if times were in it, but you had to eat at certain restaurants and you got multipliers. So if you got your restaurant break and you got your sleeping bonus, it would multiply each day. So you wanted to make sure you got your, your meal bonus and your rest bonus. And I was headed to my meal bonus and I get this alert on my phone that says tornado warning, you know, uh, 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 tornado warning. I get those in Houston all the time. I totally ignore it. Don't think anything <laughs> of it. Nothing ever happens in Houston. So I'm like, and I'm like, I'm literally eight miles from the restaurant I'm going to. So I see the alert because I have my phone on my handlebars and I just kind of blow it off. I'm like, I have eight minutes. Like, surely they give me eight minutes. Like this tornado is not going to touch down in eight minutes. Well, about two minutes later, <laughs> just the the bright sky went completely dark. Everything went completely dark. And the wind was picking up. And at this point, I'm like maybe five miles away from where I need to go. And it just got to where, and I was still trying to push it. Because, again, I'm like, what? It's five miles. I can make five miles. And then, the, like, the town loses all its power. The cars are pulling over on the side of the road. And I'm, I'm right here where there's nowhere where me to go. There's no shelter at this point. I, I could see, like, if I go maybe a mile further, that's when, like, you come into this little town. And that's where a hotel was and a gas station and things. And I could see it. But I'm seeing, like, things are starting to blow across the road. It's gotten completely dark. The wind's picked up. And all these cars are pulled over on the side of the road, and I see an 18-wheeler pulled over. And I was like, I should probably pull over. If an 18-wheeler's pulled over, I should probably not be trying to ride my bike through this. And it was so pitch black dark. And so I had pulled up next to the 18-wheeler and got kind of snuggled up, like, next to his box truck, the trailer, the box, thinking it would block some of the wind. And so I pulled up next to him. It was kind of snuggling, but it was so dark. And at this point, I was on a sport glide. And so there were, I didn't really have great light, rear light. And I was like, I was kind of like, because he was pulled over on the shoulder. So I was kind of like on the line. And I was like, I'm probably going to get ran over if I stay here. Because it was so dark, you couldn't see anything. And, and 
dark and the wind and the rain was blowing so hard. It was just so hard to see. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go get in front of the 18-wheeler. So I moved my bike and I got in front of the 18-wheeler. And it was, the wind was blowing me so hard. I couldn't get the bike on the kickstand because I couldn't hold it on one foot to kind of get the kickstand down. I just kind of had a, I just stood like on top of it with my feet on the ground and the bike was just like swaying back and forth underneath me. And that's why I found that video because I was like, man, I wish this 18 wheeler had a camera in his car. And like he would like video this motorcycle in front of him in the middle of a tornado. <laughs> so I, and I'm trying to hold up the bike. My, you know, I'm trying to call someone and my phone, like, you know how it gets when it rains, it just, it starts pushing buttons. So I couldn't do that. And I couldn't hold, I needed both hands on the bike. And I was like, okay, what, what am I going to do if I actually see the funnel? Because I'm just out here in the middle of nowhere. There's like a train track on my right and nothing on my left. And like a mile ahead of me, maybe not even a mile, I could see where the town is. So I'm like, what am I going to do if I see this funnel? Where am I going to go? And I was like, I'm just going to have to throw the bike in the ditch, like just let it go. And I'm either getting underneath the 18 wheeler or I'm going to try to get in the cab of the 18 wheeler and hope he lets a soaking wet person stranger into his cab. But I never did see the funnel. Um, as soon as it kind of lit, lit if this all probably happened in, and I was getting hailed on. So, but I had like little, you know, marble pea-sized hail. So it was just like ding, 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 ding. And I had full gear and my full face helmet on. So it wasn't hurting me or anything. It was just part of the experience. So when it just lightens up a little bit and the, the oh, I was going to say, this all maybe lasted three, four minutes, maybe five. Not mm-hmm. very long at all, but it seems like forever while you're there. I, I'm like, at this point, I've, I'm freaked out. I'm not going to the restaurant. And there's a story about that, but I'm not going to the restaurant. So I'm like, I'm just going to go to this hotel right here. So I make it to the hotel. They don't have any power. And I'm like, do you have a room? And they're like, no. And I'm like, what am I going to do now? So I'm sitting there just waiting. I sat there for like hours because I was just so, you know, I called my parents, my brother, everything, like just shaking. And she goes, well, we do have a room, but the TV doesn't work. And I'm like, y'all don't have power no one's tv is working <laughs> so i was like i'll take it so i i did end up taking that room but part of that story is i was heading to the restaurant not knowing that kenneth andrews was there so he was there for that meal bonus going to the, at the same restaurant. so he was like five miles away from me he got hail the size of a softball where he was luckily he was in the restaurant but he got hail the size of a softball and like totaled his bike like I don't know how many thousands of dollars like it just destroyed his screens his saddlebag he had a dent in his auxiliary tank like so I was actually glad I didn't make it to that because that would that hail would have hurt a lot worse but also tells you that when you go through a big storm, Ken- Kenneth Andrews is nearby. <laughs> That's, I've heard that story. I've heard that being said often, actually. Yeah. And so when I had posted the story, I posted the story on Facebook and I had like sent a screenshot because in the middle of the night, there was another little tornado warning alert on my phone and I got a little screenshot of it. And Riot's the one who 
gave me the road name and he goes, Oh, Hey, Twister or sister, Twister, Twister, sister, something like that. And Twister kind of just stuck. stuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cool story. I've seen the video. Do you have it posted anywhere where people can watch it? Are you a YouTuber by any chance? I, I think I do. I, I am. A, well, I'm not a YouTuber. I watch a lot of YouTubers. <laughs> I watch a lot of YouTube. So, but I don't, I do have a channel that I kind of save videos to. But I, that was someone else's video. It was a storm chaser. So when I was trying to see, I was, I just every so often I'd Google or search on YouTube and be motorcycle or a tornado and Hondu in April. And a, a few months afterwards, I found the video from a storm chaser and he had to be maybe a few cars ahead of me on the people who were on the shoulder. And so I, shared his video that he did on youtube okay so that's the video that you sent me yeah that's a video it was actually from a storm chaser that heard the tornado was coming and went and just happened to be in that same area i was yeah sure and then the next morning when i left the hotel you could see where the tornado went through like it had just like you could see it coming across the field like it wasn't there. You could see it where it tore up the, the trees and the pastures where you could just see the line where it just went across. So it was close. I never actually physically saw the funnel, but I was in the, I was close enough. <laughs> yeah, too close. Too close. Too close. I don't mean, if, if anyone asks you what you never want to do again, that would be it. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's been listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> So all these stories lead to, lead me to the Hoka Hay. So you've been through a lot of yep. a lot of stuff. What do, what made you decide you wanted to even try the Hoka Hay? Um, peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so that I went to when Chris did the Hoka Hay in 2020. The the group, the five of us. Well, Chris was already there. So his wife, Kat, Cindy, Bobby, and I all went to Florida to Panama City for the end of the road party. So okay. we were, were all there for the 2020 end of the road party. And you just kind of get that, you, you get sucked into the vibe, you know, and they're all cool people. You know, I was just meeting them. I think that was the first time I met most. I think so. Um, but you just really enjoy the people. And then like when, I don't know if you ever go to marathons or stuff like that, when you see people go across the finish line, you're just like, wow, what do they just do? You know, and a lot of them just come in just worn completely out. And so you're just impressed by it. Yeah. But I I never, I really, like I thought when I was following Chris in 2020, I read all the rules about it. I was a stalker of everything. Like I, I, I probably knew more about it than he did. And I'd be like, no, this, that's not in the rules, you know, or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was obsessed about it, but it wasn't something I ever wanted to do. And I'm, very much dependent on my GPS and I'm not big at camping. So I, it was never really anything I thought I wanted to do. I, I didn't think the writing part would have been hard, but it was just like, I, I can't get over the G, the no GPS. I can't get over the sleeping outside. Okay. And so, you know, within the two years, so I went when Chris did his hundred and a hundred, I, him, a friend of mine, Steve Hansen and I wouldn't met him and we're like, okay. And Steve Hansen has thought about doing the Hokahe a few times. So we're like, okay, let's go meet Chris and we'll Hokahe it. 
know, we're going to sleep outside. You know, we're, we're going to see how this is. It was terrible. It was two <laughs> nights that I slept outside and it was terrible. <laughs> Not fun at all. And that was the only practice I did at sleep in the whole two years that I was maybe considering this that was I only did the two nights and I was like you know what I don't need to practice this anymore I know I'm not gonna like it so why you know I can I can push through it because I have to but I'm not gonna do it when I don't have to <laughs> right so that that was terrible and then I just kind of started okay so that's after I already signed up I guess so I wasn't gonna sign up and Chris was like sign up sign up have you signed up yet have you signed up yet and I'm like no no and he, you know, every now and then he'd be, you signed up yet? No. And it was like cut off. Like they were about to cut it off the next day or something like that. And he goes, did you sign up? And I was like, no. And he goes, if you don't sign up, you're going to regret it for two years. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> so so I you went signed in up and I, right before I did. Yeah. Well, you were on the reserve list. I right. was never actually on the reserve yeah, I list. Missed, I was I like, missed sign up by like just a few days, less than a okay, week. Okay, then I think. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before then, because I don't even know. Yeah, because that was in December. I didn't have a number or anything. I didn't get my number until like May, and until I got that call that I was kind of accepted, I guess. Um, so I signed up very last minute. I was like one of the last five, I think they said to to come in. So that's when, you know, I did the practice run and then I would kind of, and then I was, you know, once I signed up, I was like, what did I just do? You know, I don't know that I can do this, you know? And so I kind of, when we would ride, you know, I always use my GPS. When I'm in the car, I always use my GPS, you know? So I try to like ride, you know, when I was riding behind Chris or anyone else, I would not use the GPS and be like, okay, just look for the road signs, look for those curves, you know, look for the the caution sign that this cur- curve is like 40 miles an hour or something like that. Because that's what I was always worried about was going into a curve in the dark and not knowing it's there. Because on my GPS, it tells me there's a curve coming. Mm-hmm. So those are the, the things that I was just kind of practicing. And then when I went to the rendezvous, they they gave a, they gave out um, and it was here in Texas so that was beneficial to me. They gave out a little practice run, little Hokahe practice runs, like just a one day, few hours uh, directions. So right before, like a month I think before the Hokahe, I finally went back and did that ride. I mean, I didn't wait. Oh, you the didn't even do that. <laughs> Not until like the month before the Hokahe, I went out and did that test ride, and that was very beneficial because then I understood how their instructions were and that they weren't always exactly accurate and you kind of kind of still got to use your brain and be like maybe that's not a left turn that should have been a right turn or you know and I did get lost a few times on that test run and I was and then I went back home so I went back home as soon as I got you know it was just a day trip I get back home and I'm looking at an atlas and I'm like okay where I'm at, which was like New Braunfels area, it's not on this atlas. It's not on any maps, you know, because it's such a small little town. I'm like, how, how would this help me? You know, so then I go to Google Maps and I was like trying to figure out where I got lost and where these roads were. Like if I followed the instructions, how would I have done it by looking at Google Maps? And then I was like, oh, okay. So this road, because I came up to a T in 
neither one of the instructions really matched what was on the Hokahei instructions. The road sign didn't match what was on the Hokahei instructions. Mm-hmm. But what it was is like, it was like River Road, or I think, I'm not positive at this point, but I think it was like River Road. But that road was called something else by the street signs, but on like Google Maps, it said River Road or something like that. And I was like, well, I would have never known that, <laughs> you know? It's funny. And it's, it's not... A, not a big enough city to be on any atlas. Right. You know? So it was those things that I had learned that like, okay, I'm going to have to figure some of this out. It's not because I'm very, very much a rule follower. And it's like, if the instructions say do this, do this, don't cut it short or anything, do exactly what it says. And also learn that if it says less than a hundred miles, it might only be 20 miles down the road. <laughs> like, So things like that. But yeah. And it's I had funny learned from doing that. That you say the instructions may not always be accurate when my description is the directions are never accurate there. It's either <laughs> less than greater than, or within 10 miles of was my experience. So, and yeah. I don't know, just some of the listeners maybe pick, picking up the show aren't familiar with the whole okay completely. So let's tell them the rules. It's a, basically this year was 10,000 miles, right? It's you get turn by turn directions mm-hmm. at the start that leads you to the first checkpoint which then you get your next set of directions to go to the second checkpoint, and then you get your next set of directions to the third and your final set to the finish, right? You yep. can't, you're not allowed to use any electronic navigation. You can't carry extra fuel. You have to sleep outside with your motorcycle. That's where you were talking about the camping mm-hmm. thing. If you get a moving violation, you're disqualified. And then I can't remember what I read as far, if you go off route, um, you you can if yeah, you if leave you the route, route you, you can come back in where you left the route. But if you cut the right. route or skip a part of the route, you're essentially disqualified, right? Correct. That's what we were yep. all told going in. So just so for the listeners, they all know what the rules are. The instructions were terrible at best, but it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean we all we well not all, but you and I got to the end, so. You know, they you you can follow them, but I think the intention is you're going to get lost some. You know, every not one person I think can do it without having some mess ups, some mishaps. Some right. go farther than others, but you're you're going to mess up and have to figure it out. Yeah. It's funny too because you say some go farther than others. I was listening to, or I you know on Facebook, you know we're all part of the Hokahey groups. Mm-hmm. The mileages, the fluctuation between yeah, mileages. It's all over the place. Yeah. What was yours? What was your official mileage uh, on the bike? 10,056. Yeah. See, and I did 10,293. Yeah. And for the record, well, the- for the record, everybody, Twister kicked my ass <laughs> by two days, I think. Were you there on day 11? Yeah, I was there on day 11. I was 10 hours, I mean, 10 days and... Eight hours, nine okay. hours, ten so days you, and nine hours. Yeah. So you beat me, but I was 11 days, nine hours. So Yeah, so one day, yeah. Yeah, one day and a number of positions because you were the very first female finisher this year. Congratulations. Yes, I was. Thank you. I was the 13th overall finisher and first lady to cross the finish line this year. What was your, everybody asks me this and I always have to kind of, I get stumped on it. What was your favorite part of the entire event before the finish line? Uh, I would say my favorite favorite area was Lake Tahoe. I thought that was just beautiful. I've never been in that area, and I, I, I need to go back now. 
Um, one of the cool experiences about this year was it was over July 4th weekend. So it was kind of cool. Well, it was good and bad because there was a lot of traffic in these little small towns due to parades and people setting up for the fireworks. But it was cool to ride the bike on July 4th that whole weekend, you know, from Friday to I think Sunday, people were having uh, firecrackers. So that was fun. Fireworks. So that was fun to watch. And then I would say the overall favorite part of the experience was just riding and seeing all the different terrain. I went, we went from desert to mountains to Canada to Mexico to, you know, the Pacific Ocean, you know, along uh, Oregon's coastline. And, like, it was just, you saw it all. You went from twisties and about time you're like, I'm so tired of twisties. You go to an eight-hour rise of the desert. <laughs> like, I'm so <laughs> tired of the straight line. Brutal, that <laughs> desert run. <laughs> yeah. 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 So just, you know, the writing was my favorite. You just see it all. I, I disagree yeah, with definitely nothing. Definitely not just sleeping outside. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wasn't bad. And, you know, I would say by night two, night three, I was looking forward to sleeping. Like, I, I was over, like, worrying about anything. It was just blow up my mat and lay down, you know, it was just, I didn't care where we were, just, just lay down, you know, so it wasn't, that part wasn't as bad at all. And actually not having the GPS wasn't bad at all. I mean, it really doesn't help when you're doing turn by turn directions because the GPS just wants to be either in the shortest route and it doesn't work. Right. Um, but I, your, your head, your mind is going so much because you're, trying to remember the current road you're on but you're trying to look for the road number that you're going to in my head i was just constantly like 39 521 39 521 39 521 you know things like that so the things i didn't like was going i've never been to the grand canyon we go right past the grand canyon do Mm -hmm. i stop no i i keep going because like at this point i i was you know like i said before I go in expecting nothing, but then once I start doing well, I'm like, well, I can't stop now. Gotta keep going, you know. So yeah. when I'm going past the Grand Canyon, I'm like, oh, I really would like to see this, but gotta keep going, you know. I don't want anyone passing me. <laughs> right. You prompted a question that I didn't think of before. During the entire ride, what one thing would you have done differently if you were to do it again? Well, I don't. The thing I took a tent. I never used it once, but Same. would I do that again? It's like, you know what? I think if I didn't take it, then I'd probably need it. You know, I, I was lucky this year. We found a lot of pavilions. We, we slept in a lot of pavilions or in a baseball dugout or, you know, things where we had somewhat roofs over our head. You Did know? you, so you um, say we, were you with somebody the whole time? I ended up riding with Jason Miller the whole time. We, when I went in going, I'm doing this by myself, blah, blah, blah. First day, I, and you know how they lined us up where us beginners were at the very back of the pack. Yep, we they were at the very lined end. us up by numbers and us being our very high numbers, we were in the back of the pack. So it just started off and I just knew I had to get out of the back of the pack. So I rode really hard that first probably eight hours or so just to like work my way through the back of the pack. And then I ended up with, I'm looking around and I'm like, 
hey, I know that person. Hey, I know that person. Hey, and I was like with all the people that had been hanging out with for the last two years, you know, kind of up in the back of the front of the pack, you know. And so a big group of us were running and we would get to where we all kind of were second guessing the instructions and we kind of stop and talk it out. There's probably like five or six of us. And Jason Miller and I would be like, I think it's this way. And the whole other group would go this way. And so we'd go this way. We'd be right. We'd see that other group circle back around. And, you know, we get together again and we question another intersection. And they'd be like, I think it's this way. And him and I were both like, no, I think it's this way. And we'd go our own way. And then we kind of lost the group that way. But we just, every time we came to a questionable intersection, him and I kind of thought the same thing. And then at that point, we weren't even riding together. We kind of were just leapfrogging each other. It's like we weren't riding together, but we had just end up like as soon as I got to a gas station, he was leaving or he would get to a gas station and I was leaving. And we just kind of leapfrogged each other. Mm -hmm. And later down the road that day, we're just like, we just ended up just left the gas station at the same time and kind of ended up. We never talked about it. We never said, hey, you want to ride together or anything? We just kind of rode together. And then it was like, come that first night and it was like, Hey, you're going to keep going. Are you thinking about uh, resting? You know, hey, let's, you know, I always thought I wanted to go to midnight. So it was like, Oh, let's go to about 1130 and then start looking for a place to sleep. So we did. Sure. Next morning I go, Hey, you know, if you want to keep going, I'm, you know, I got to brush my teeth, wash my face, do all that. I'm going to be about 10, 15 minutes. So if you want to go, go. He goes, no, I need a, his uh, motor jug was messed up. So he goes, no, I'm going to mess with my motor jug. So I'll just wait on you. We never talked about it again. We rode for the next few days together at the first checkpoint. We go to the first checkpoint together. I'm like, hey, you want to you wanna continue to ride together? You want to do your own thing? What do you want to do? And he goes, and there was a few, there was, uh, Shell and Brian were riding together at that time. And we were at the checkpoint. All four of us were at the checkpoint at the same time. And it was funny because we were about to go to Texas and all of them were like, well, we're about to go to Texas and it's going to be really hot. I don't think anyone should be riding alone. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, it's Texas. It's fine. Like, yeah, I wasn't worried about the heat at all. And I was like, yep, that's fine. That works. And so at that point, Shell and Brian were riding together and Jason and I continued to ride together and we never talked about it again. We just, it just worked out. Like, there was never any time that he was waiting on me or I was waiting on him or we just, we had the same kind of right. And I don't know if he was writing differently because of me, but to me, I just called him a little rabbit because he was writing a little faster than I would. If I was just on my own, I would have probably stopped and took pictures, you know, did a little things. But to me, it was just like, I'm just going to chase this. He was going a little faster than I probably would. And I was like, I got my rabbit. I'm just going to chase this rabbit. <laughs> so I remember it, just, you it making, worked out. I remember you making that comment at the finish line too. Yeah. It was just like, he was my rabbit. And it was funny because he rode a little faster than I did would have. Like it, he wasn't riding out of my comfort zone. It was just, I would have probably stopped and saw more things and like enjoyed the ride where he was just pushing me to, you know, let's go, let's go. But I was better at the navigation. So, he was a faster rider, but he would have messed up a lot, long, lot more because I was better than navigating. And so it just worked out really well. 
I think we both benefited from each other. That sounds like it. The one thing that I wish I would have done that I didn't do, and maybe that's the way I should have asked you the question, is every night when I stopped or during the day, I should have opened up Google Maps so you could see the whole country and then just taken a picture of the blue dot. You know, where was I? Yeah. Because I, I did every night I took a screen. I took, I had an app on my phone where it puts your location, like it puts the GPS coordinates. And okay. so every night I just would take a picture of the sky. Like it, you know, they were black pictures, but it would have the coordinates. So, so when, when I got map, home, yeah. so when I got home, I came back and I was like, okay, I slept here. I slept here. I slept here. So I did do that. I think I missed one night, but other yeah. than that, and I took a picture of my odometer every night, I think, except for one. But I did take that, so I knew I could remember where I slept. You know, now that you say that, I took pictures of my camping setup every night, so I could go back that way. But yeah, I was thinking, you know, yeah, to, you could, to show yeah. somebody on a map, you know, here's here are the places because I don't even know how to tell people where we went. You know what I mean? Well, other yeah, than, other, other than, than the, the tracking, the tracking line. <laughs> yeah, I would have no idea. Yeah, people are like, awesome. "Where was that?" or "Did you go through here?" I'm like, "I have no idea." <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. But uh, the, one of the, like Lake Tahoe, that was my most beautiful place that I thought I saw. And then the one place that I saw that I wanted to go back to was, now it's it's not coming to mind, but it was right up ahead of Sedona. Can't think of the name yet, but this little ghost town up above Sedona. Jerome. And yes, yes, yeah. Jerome. I want to go back there. Yes, that's... um. My parents are having an anniversary this February. I'm guessing they don't listen to this show, but I want to go. They they spend winters in Arizona, and I want to go down there. Okay, yeah, to to be with them on their anniversary. But I want to bring the bike, yeah, and yeah. take Renee through that strip because that was amazing. That is by it far was. my favorite area of the whole entire event. Well, and then, and then there was that time that we rode next to the rapids for like all day. We were riding next to that little. Yep. river that had rapids like that was pretty cool too that was cool the that's um, actually where we dropped the ashes for august smith we put them in that river there okay yeah that was that choked everybody up in the room before the yep. start yep. for sure um <laughs> that, that made roman cry <laughs> yeah no kidding what'd you think of that mine that we got to ride through what are you talking about at the end of devil's highway Sure. I don't know where it was, but it was a huge mine and it was active. Like the big, yeah, massive dump so, trucks were going on a bridge across the, yep. on top of us. Yeah. It's like you just so kept going I down Devil's, and down and down. Well, for me, it was really bad because I did Devil's Highway and it was it was in the dark and it was drizzly. So, which it, Devil's Highway, you know, it, that was probably the hardest part of the whole Hokahei was Devil's Highway. And when I came down out of it, I was coming down the little mountain there and you could see like the lit up. I was like, what is this? And, and to me, I was like, what in the Fraggle Rock? Like, it looked like, did you ever watch Fraggle Rock as a kid? Yeah, I remember that. That's what came to mind when I saw that. I just saw all, I was coming down out of the mountain and I saw all these trucks and it was just lit up. Like it was so dark. And then all of a sudden there's like lights, like these spotlights like it was just lit up and I was just like what is going on down here but 
I don't know if I was just so tired or whatever, or just worn out from riding through the twisties of Devil's Highway. I could not make out what that was. I had no idea okay. what was going on. Yeah, I went and through so there in the daylight. It was crazy. And yeah. I actually had a pullover. Like, I had to call it a night because my my head was not focusing anymore. Like, it, I I couldn't tell you what that little area was until after the fact when I was talking to people. They're like, oh, that little mining town at the end. I was like, that's what that was? <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I could not focus. I was done. And I don't know what – I, I don't think it was like – I don't know. It was – my head would not focus on what that was. And so – Right after that, I had a call it a night. That whole mind thing was just crazy to me. But now you talk about Devil's Highway? Yeah. I don't remember that at all. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Probably if we talked through it enough, I would go, oh, yeah, but you'd have to remind me, and there's probably not enough time on this show. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how, because that, that was probably the hardest. I mean, it was the most twisties, and then you have to remember the cows on the side of the cliff. Is that where it was like that 40-mile stretch of like 10-mile and 15-mile-an-hour well, switchbacks? Well, it's like a hundred, over a 100-mile stretch. Oh. Cool. Yeah. I like, probably slept huge. through some and, of it. <laughs> and cows, black cows I remember everywhere. that. Yep, I remember yeah, coming around the corner that's going, the oh. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's when you were in Devil's Highway with, oh. with the cows on the side of cliffs. Huh. I'm like, who puts cows up here? Oh, that's funny. That's what I learned on the Hokahay is cows can live anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's anywhere. for sure. There were, there were cows And those everywhere. cows preferred the road. Yes, yes. How does one get the time off of work? Tell us what you do for a job. Because that's always <laughs> my question is, what the hell do these people do for work? Yeah, I, I get that question asked a lot. But I work for a financial advisor firm. I'm on the customer service side. So I do everything other than investments that the client wants. It could be paying their bills. It could be they just have questions on their statements. It, you know, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't know who's going to hear this, but, you know, I can be a therapist for the clients as well. You know, they'll just call and ask questions about their personal lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do everything outside of trading. I don't do any trading on the client's account, but I've been with the same company for 24 years and have just worked my way. I, I started literally as a receptionist. I came in off the road and got hired as a receptionist and have worked my way through the company to a director. And I've been here 24 years and I've worked for some of the same people those whole 24 years. And they're, you know, we just got you know, a good thing going. And they also believe in enjoying life and having fun. I do work hard when I'm here working and get things done. And a lot of times when I take vacations and I'm not on the bike, I I take my computer and I'll work while I'm on vacation, you know, because when I am on the bike, then I don't take my computer. And I'm like, I'm basically, you can't ask me any questions or anything, but Sure. Other vacations that I do outside of the bike, like when we went to Ireland recently, I worked every night, you know. So, you know, I I, I try to do good by them and they do good by me. That's the way it should be at yeah. everybody's job. Let's. I wasn't going to talk about this. It's not in my notes, but let's talk about it quick. Mile Monsters. Yeah. Explain that. You've recently, I think like within the last year, become a, an official Mile Monster. Right. And you guys went to yep. Ireland. So, 
So well, tell us what Mile Monsters the, do, your affiliation with that riot, and the Ireland trip. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I probably officially became a Mile Monster when we did the Monster Day for Gavin School, which was, I think, January of 21, I think. So it might be a little over a year. Say, Maybe was it, it was that long ago? I don't know. It was in January. I know that. I don't. Yeah. Know. Doesn't seem like I don't it was remember that long what ago, year. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so that's when I first came a mom monster. We went to Gavin School, and it's here in Texas. And what we did there, we call it a Monster Day. I guess I should go back. So the mom monsters riot created. He's the founder, and it's to bring awareness and help boys. Not necessarily boys, but it mostly affects boys that have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And so we have a group of kids that we bring awareness for and help them. And our goal is just to make their lives better. So we basically just want them to make, make them rock stars and, you know, let them know that they have some bikers in the corner and they love it. So it's a lot of fun. So when we went to Gavin's school, the school was just very acceptive of it. And they let us, there was five of us, Bryant, Kenneth, Chris and I and they let us ride our motorcycles into the gymnasium and then we did I think we did like six different talks kind of the same talk to each class at six different times and you know just told the kids about Gavin and why he's special and that you know everyone has their talents you know he might not be a football player but he's a great artist you know and just kind of do the anti-bullying and don't pick on him because he can't run as fast as you and stuff like that. And then we went to Ireland recently for the second Monster Day, and that was for Alfie. And unfortunately, we didn't have our bikes there, so we really couldn't make it that biker movement thing, but it, it was still a lot of fun, and I think he really enjoyed it. And we went to his school. We went to community center the first night, and then a few days later, we did the presentation for his school, and it was a lot of fun. And he's a little rock star, and he performed and sang for us, did karaoke for us and everything. So it was a lot of fun. But we basically do anti-bullying when we do the talks. And then everything else is just we, you know, we like to ride our motorcycles. And, you know, if you're, if you're going to ride, you might as well ride for a cause. And so we try to raise money, and then we just. You know, it might be buying a van for a family. It might be buying a PlayStation because, you know, that, that might be the only way that kid has to socialize. You know, a lot of times they'll talk, you know, they'll play games. You know how it is now. Like games and you talk to other kids through the gaming system and stuff. So that might be his only way of socializing. Yep. You know, some of them like to take pictures. So we've got them cameras. And so that was one of the fun things with the Hoka Hey is we had brought Drew Gavin and turbo to the end of the hokahey and it was great to see them all get along and have fun and play and water gun fights and it, it was really cool that was very cool yeah so it's just basically for us to to show them a good time and show them that they have you know we might be strangers but we're well we we started as strangers but we're in their corner and i always explain it to people as there's people trying to find the cure Mile Monsters are not right. that group. They're the group right. helping these kids live the best life they can while they're still here. Because it's 100% yep. fatal, this disease. Yep. So it's yep. very Certainly cool. It it's is. so, so cool to see what you guys are doing out there. So 
I don't, that, that disease does not affect my family in any way. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. everything you guys are doing. It's so cool to see these kids and they're all becoming friends on Facebook too. It's the coolest yeah, thing. Yeah, they, they, especially after the hook. Well, I think it helps with the, the parents because, you know, they have each other, you know, before they didn't know each other. And sure. now through the mom monsters, they, they have this, these other families that they can talk to and be like, well, you know, did this happen to your kid? You know, what stage is your kid in? And, you know, they have a, a system now that they can talk through, but then the kids really hit it off too, you know, and it was instantly, they were friends, you know, so it was really cool. It's very cool. Now they know they're not alone. You know, they know other people are going through the same thing that they're not alone. I mean, it's not a common disease, right? So they, they now right, right. have people they can talk to, like you say, they're, hey, what got us through this or what could you through that or, you know, yeah, it's mm-hmm. awesome. It's awesome. The whole thing. Did we miss anything? Is there anything that you want to talk about that I haven't brought up? I don't think so. I, I think I've talked more than you thought I was going to. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were the nervous one. I'm like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll get you talking. <laughs> That's my job. Just let me worry about that. <laughs> Well, I think it helps too that there's not a camera in my face. You know, I can I can just sit back and talk and not worry about what I look like either. <laughs> yeah, that helps me too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that brings us to oh, my, the worst my part. favorite part of the show, and we talked no. about this. We talked about this last night because no. uh, this I know is what I've been really scared about. I know you've been listening. And uh, I found no, my I old list of questions. Yes, you thought you did your homework, but I have some new questions that I don't think anybody has heard before, at least not on this show. Are you ready? I, I know, but <laughs> so I, I, I have, have to be. <laughs> I have like 20, I think it's 22 or 23 questions now. And I put the numbers in the randomizer and I just picked the, the random ones that okay. have not been asked in the previous three episodes. Okay. Okay. So for you, the first spin landed on number 13. Hey, that was your finish. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That was my finish. Yep, Yep. that was your finish. Gavin's favorite number. Yep. So that being said, here's the question. What is something really weird or unsettling that happens to you on a regular basis? Something weird or unsettling? I I mean, unsettling to me or unsettling to others. I, I have a a tendency to have OCD. So it could be unsettling for me just when something's out of place or like something's not on an even number or like the volume is not like straight up and down or <laughs> those things are unsettling <laughs> for me, but not toward normal people. But that I, is I guess the, I'm going to go with that. That's a way better answer than I expected. Cause I, I'm <laughs> like, I, like we talked about last night when I asked, Look at these questions. I'm like, ooh, you don't, I don't know, know how I would answer go. that. Yeah, this was good. I love it because I'm very much the same way. All right, spin number two landed on question number six. What do the first sixty minutes of your day look like? Uh, well, the first probably fifteen minutes. It well, the first thirty minutes is me snoozing, and then the first <laughs> after I finally snooze, then I have about fifteen minutes of you know, I I go through Facebook and check memories. I always love in the morning to check my memories from the previous years. And then it's get up, walk the dog. So I take the dog out first thing in the morning and then it's get ready for work. So and the first then, thing you, you do know. is procrastinate every day. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Oh, I'm a big snoozer. <laughs> 
Okay, the next question, question number three. If you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? Um, it would say, how can I make enough money to live on? If, if you can hire me to ride my motorcycle, please do. Like looking for paid income for riding my motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> a giant classified ad. It would be like ad. a hire me. It'd be, yeah, it'd be like a hire me ad. <laughs> like maybe someone is getting paid to do this, you know, and I just don't know about it. Yeah. Okay, number five, the final question of the five questions. What have you changed Ooh. your mind about in the last few years and why? Oh, what have I changed my mind about? I don't know. I, I would say just with, you know, getting older type things, it's, it's caring a little less what other people think. So, you know, before, like, you always, you know, you know, what were your impression of other, you know, what, what the impressions other people had of you? Now I think I've changed my, like, you don't care anymore. Like, you just change your mind on that to where you you just do you and it is what it is. I love it. Good life advice at any age. It just takes a while to get there, but it does. It's nice when you do get there. Right. So those were the five questions. I think you breezed right through them. Ooh. See, you were all yeah. nervous. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so... In closing, do you have any asks or any requests of the audience? Follow along. Follow us along on, you know, our endeavors and mile monsters and support if you can, share if you can. Just follow us along and enjoy the ride. Perfect. Last parting words? Ride the damn bike. <laughs> ride your damn bike. <laughs> Perfect. So you say to follow you along, where can we follow you? Um, I am on Facebook mainly, just at Kimberly Walling. So that's basically, I have an Instagram, but it's not worth following really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll see if I can find it. I'll put it in the show notes. I'll put the, the... I think it's, I think it's Kimberly W0112 is the Instagram, but okay. basically uh, Facebook at Kimberly Walling. Okay. I will, I will put both of those in the show notes so the listeners can just click on those. Um, I think that's it, folks. If you like what you're hearing, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can follow the adventures on Facebook or Instagram by looking for The Real Wild Ass. Of course, I am Wild Ass Craig. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks. And, of course, thank you again, Kimberly, for coming on. Thank you, Craig.